Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. My name is Candace Wassell. I'm the pastor here at Faith. It is such a joy to have you visit with us. You are welcome, so welcome in every part of Faith's community. You are welcome to join us in person at worship on Sundays. You're welcome to visit us online. You're welcome in our mission and our fellowship, and most important, you are welcome at the Lord's table. We continue with week four of our midweek Lenten sermon series, From Ashes to Easter, Stories of Resurrection. Tonight is the story of Eutychus, a young man who the Apostle Paul literally killed with a boring sermon. It's true, it's true, just wait till you hear it. <laughs> well, let's hope it goes well. <clears throat> it's a story they tell in seminary preaching courses as a cautionary tale. That's where I first heard it. Uh, Professor Mule from Yale Divinity School puts the warning this way. Just remember that most people you address on Sunday morning almost decided not to come. So don't go long up there, or there will be consequences. That's the story of how Eutychus experiences resurrection. Without his story, the little town that he's in, Tros, would barely be mentioned in, a Bible, in the Bible little town along the Aegean Sea would have been easily forgotten, a blip on the map. But before we get to Eutychus of Tros, I'd like, to, I'd like to talk a little bit more about maps. Back in the day, before there was Google Earth on our phones, and even a little bit further back before was that, that old website called MapQuest on your home computers, we had to use old state maps that once unfolded from that neat 116th rectangle, never folded neatly back again. That's all we had to get anywhere, kids. It's pretty shocking, I know. It's easy to look back on those days with nostalgia, <clears throat> but not if you're a conflict-averse kid riding in the back of a station wagon, caravanning your way from Illinois to Minnesota, along with six other vehicles, all of them stuffed to the gills, with kids, fishing gear, and those styrofoam coolers that squeaked any time the car was put into gear. That's how the Wassell family used to do it. All through my childhood, we traveled to a new resort somewhere in Wisconsin or Minnesota for our annual family fishing trip. Every year, my father and his five siblings would subject themselves to navigating an eight-hour trip in a single-file line down the interstate, navigating with paper maps and CB radios. The arguments would start even before we left home over who would be the lead car and navigator. God forbid it be my Uncle Jim, who had an iron bladder and could not abide wasting time on things as trivial as bathroom breaks. Wrong turns and mixed exits created some of the biggest shouting matches this side of the Mississippi. I'm pretty sure that my family is still banned from an Amico in Rockford <laughs> for such an episode in their parking lot. <clears throat> Caravanning in the 1970s was nothing short of horrible with CB radios and paper maps. And the question you might rightly be asking in this long diatribe is why? Why did you people subject yourself to this? year after year. 
Why bother with all the family tension? But I submit to you that tension is a good thing and often well worth it. And here to make my case is the story of Eutychus from Acts chapter 20, verses 7 through 12, beginning at the seventh verse. On the first day of the week when we met to break bread, Paul was holding a discussion with them. Since he intended to leave the next day, he, con he continued speaking until midnight. There, there were many lamps in the room upstairs where they were meeting. A young man named Eutychus was sitting in the window, began to sink off into a deep sleep while Paul talked still longer. Overcome by sleep, he fell to the ground three floors below and was picked up dead. But Paul went down and bending over him, took him up in his arms and said, do not be alarmed for there is life yet in him. Then Paul went upstairs and after he had broken bread and eaten, he continued to talk with them until dawn. <laughs> then he left. Meanwhile, they had taken the boy away alive and they were very comforted. <laughs> it's a great story. It doesn't even sound like a story that should be in the Bible, right? <laughs> Why deal with tension? Because tension is a good thing. And probably would have kept poor Eutychus from falling out the window. You could certainly argue that this whole episode was Paul's fault. Maybe he wasn't reading the room and everybody was dozing off and it happened to be just poor Eutychus who was sitting in a windowsill and fell. But it's also possible that Eutychus is bored and tired because he's completely checked out of his faith. God is there in the words that Paul is sharing, but Eutychus isn't engaged. He's not holding on to the other end of the rope, so to speak, so he falls. Tension is a good thing. One of the fundamental laws of physics is that energy is released through tension. And once engaged, the Christian life will have tension. When we are baptized into faith, we're equipped with suitable or with spiritual gifts that are suited just for us. We're given a vocation all our own. And then we're sent out into the world to share the gospel and word and deed. And there is a lot more people out there needing to hear the word and deeds of the gospel than there are in here who are willing to proclaim it. We are outnumbered. Jesus says that very clearly in Matthew 9, 37. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We are outmatched, outmanned. And so we'll always be asking ourselves in this Christian life, can I give more? Can I do more? And don't get me wrong. Oftentimes, I'm having to counsel folks and remind them that they need to set some boundaries, that they're getting a little overworked, especially in their service to the church. It does happen. We all have our limits, and in the body of Christ, we can be honest with each other when we've reached them. We are Sabbath-honoring people. Even Jesus took naps. But if we're never asking ourselves that question, if we've gotten to a phase in life where we can't remember the last time that we felt the push and pull of what God was asking us to do, if we are bored both of what we're hearing in here and the faith we're experiencing in our lives out there, 
we might consider whether or not we need a Eutychus-style resurrection. And it's not just service that we need to experience resurrection in. It's also in our relationships that sometimes need resurrection. Tension is also a good thing in relationships. Patrick Lincoln is an organizational psychologist. Janet and I are reading a book that he wrote called Death by Meeting. <laughs> We're trying to make some changes in staff, obviously. He talks about how you know your company is in trouble when meetings are completely boring and there's no debates or drama, no tension. So I'm planning to punch Jenny in the face on Monday to get things going. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, Jenny. I don't mean it. I don't mean it. <laughs> sorry. It's getting a little boring in here. I'm trying. All right. <laughs> Great teams, Patrick says, do not hold back from one another. The same is true in relationships. The same is true in marriages. In all my time counseling couples, the ones that are in the most trouble are not the ones who are fighting. They're the ones who've gone quiet. The ones who've kind of stopped caring enough to argue. Those are the ones that are in trouble, usually. A healthy amount of tension in a relationship is necessary. And the same is true in our relationship with our Lord. Brothers and sisters, this faith is radical. A God who demands justice, who atones for that sin with his son's death. A God who hides in weakness. A virgin birth. A God who brings life from death. A story about a tomb. These are not neutral beliefs. And our trusting in them should not be so easy that we don't wrestle with God in trying to understand them. And it is in that wrestling with God and with each other about what this faith means that we experience transformation and salvation. So why? Why did my family subject itself to these intense family caravans all those years? Well, this was back in the 70s, when my dad and his siblings were all young and poor, and it was back when you didn't get a loan to buy a new car, you just uh, drove around the least rusty car you could find for 800 bucks. So one of those years, on our way to Minnesota, six rusty cars are caravanning down the road. And a few hours into it, my Aunt Carol calls out to my dad over the CB radio, Kevin, Kevin, smoke is pouring out of your tailpipe. And the whole caravan pulls over to the side of the road, and it looks bad, so they drive to the nearest exit, and they find the mechanic, only to find out that this car is not going anywhere else until they can get a part to fix it. And it's going to take a couple of days. My brother and my sister and I, we were just devastated. You know, we were just thinking that we were going to miss half of our vacation, and our cousins were going to get there first and get all the good swimming pool water. And we were going to be stuck in this... <laughs> little town with the rest of our family it drove off ahead and had a good time without us. But that didn't happen. The whole family got to work unloading my dad's car, dividing up all of the gear and the people between the other five vehicles. My dad made arrangements to pick up the car on our way back and we pressed on, squished but happy. Together, 
probably a little bit more tense. Tension is worth it. Brothers and sisters, the push and pull we feel in this place, the push and pull we feel with God, the push and pull we feel with each other is worth it. For in tension, there is engagement. In tension, there is salvation. So if you're bored in your faith, if you're bored in your service, if you're bored in your relationship with God and each other, this story of Eutychus' resurrection is just for you. It is a reminder to re-engage, for you are God's instrument, and he is placing into your hands one end of a rope, and on any given day, he's placing the other end of that rope into a neighbor's hands. Don't let go. Amen. The most valuable message we have to share at Faith is the promise we have in Jesus. We come together every Sunday to share this good news in the reading of Scripture and sharing of Holy Communion. It is these two acts of worship that we learn of the forgiveness, peace, and joy that Jesus has won for us on the cross. These gifts also belong to you, and we hope you will feel welcome to receive them. After we've shared worship together, we trust that we are ready to be sent out into the world to serve our neighbor, and you're welcome to join us in that great work as well. There are so many opportunities at Faith to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It's what we feel called to do. It's what we're passionate about. Above all, I want to encourage you in your faith. No matter where you're at in your journey with Christ, you are welcome to visit Faith as often as you are able. But whatever you do, keep searching. There is a church family set aside just for you, and I trust the Holy Spirit will place you right where you need to be.